I V M. Hello, welcome, and Khushamadi. You're listening to the Note with me, Maharoshinaya. Juxtaposing the socio-political environment in this country through the 80s, 90s, and the early 2000s, with the rise of the Troika of Khans. Shah Rukh Khan, Amir Khan, and Salman Khan is this wonderful, wonderful book by the wonderful Kaveri Bamzai. It's called "The Three Khans and the Emergence of New India." An intriguing read, Kaveri, and thank you so much for being on the note. Thank you so much, Maruk. It's always a pleasure. We uh, talked to each other on the note before, and yes. it was delightful. So here goes me plugging my book. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> But I must say, you are a brave one to write about these three men who are so touchy. <laughs> oh yes, I think uh, this will be the last you have ever spoken to me. So uh, uh, when I do a sequel, I guess it'll have to be entirely based on their uh, words in the public domain. I, I don't know whether I'll ever be invited to the whole. <laughs> I think you would be. I think if uh, in due course of time. They have good perspective, which I think people normally at their level don't. Yeah. They do. You never know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was not the point. The point was really to, uh, you know, try to sum up uh, my learning from twenty years of reporting on them, and of course the ten years before that, where I watched them as a mm. fan and you know as a viewer. And the whole idea was really to chronicle their rise because uh, I do feel that uh, you know um, film journalism is something that you know not taken too seriously. But I feel it was important to record what was happening in India and what was happening in their work at that point because we often tend to forget. And you know yeah. now when I see them derided in on social media and you know castigated trolled and bullied i do feel that we've forgotten all the joy they brought us you know and all the wonderful memories so it's really my way of thanking them for the memories but also pointing out where they went wrong otherwise it would just be you know the work of a fan yeah. i wanted it to be a little more than that which is why i think the three khan should actually read it <laughs> much needed perspective in the book let me start at the outset you know three muslim men yes at a time when india had multiple issues at various levels at a social level at an economic level at a political level we continue to do so uh, but there was a churn and yet they emerged as this troika of influence right soft power Right. and really came to represent bollywood so your book honestly is a fascinating socio political study of how despite everything the plurality came when india chose their entertainment and that yeah. kind of shown through right and i think you know that's very important maruk especially to remember now when you know we are in such a toxic cultural landscape where everything is seen from the prism of uh, 
you know, one versus the other. You know, it could be any identity. It could be caste. It could be religion. You know, we're uh, fragmented in so many different kinds of identities. Whereas, you know, when in the 90s, it seemed that we were rising above it. We were, you know, economic development, yeah. liberalization was sort of eroding these regional identities. But what I've tried to show is that while we were enjoying the fruits of consumerism, there were these divisive forces that were also rising which in a way um, uh, the seeds of it were laid during the Rajiv Gandhi era, during the end of the Rajiv Gandhi era, you know, the uh, uh, the opening of the locks on Babri Masjid, then uh, the response to it was uh, the Mandir mobilization. The response to the Mandir mobilization was the Mandir mobilization by VP Singh. You know, all these things happened one after the other. The world itself was changing. Berlin Wall was falling. The whole idea of, a, you know, two twin polar world was changing. So I think it's very important for us to remember that while all this was happening, there were these three men who were amazingly born in the same year and more or less came into uh, the public domain at the same time. Sharuk, not in cinema, but in right. television. And remember, that was the time when we had one of everything, one TV channel, one car, one yes. phone. Uh, but we had three cars. We were very rich. <laughs> so, uh, and also I think we've had a... a uh, sort of um, by some kind of uh, divine chance, uh, we've had this tradition of having a troika in our cultural landscape. You know, there was Dave, Dave, Raj, Dilip, you know, they represented very different kinds of entertainment. Mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, there was a time during the 80s after immediately after that one man sort of strode the cultural landscape and did everything, comedy, tragedy, Amitabh Bachchan, of course. Right. But we did have a period where Anil Kapoor, Jackie Shroff and Sanjay Dutt emerged and that was the uh, 80s, 1980. So we had about uh, a decade and a half, a decade of their uh, uh, emergence. So I think we've always had this tendency to do things in threes. Uh, I don't know why. But um, I think for us, it, it, I wanted to chronicle that time to show how these three men in very different ways helped us negotiate those enormous changes that were happening. Mm -hmm. Because 90s were, uh, as you said, a time of so much churn, you know, yeah. Yeah. so much was changing about us that I think we needed someone to validate those things for us. You know, uh, people always say, oh, it's just a movie. But, you know, seeing someone on the big screen doing things that in a way validate you, give you perspective, mm -hmm. tell you that it's all right. You know, you can be yeah. an NRI in London. You can drink. Uh, there, but you can always also be the good Hindustani boy who will not, uh, you know, run away with the bride until the uh, father, until the father-in-law tells him, you know, allows him to. So yeah. I think those, those, that sense that these Khans gave us, uh, I think was very important. It helped yeah. us. I think it calmed the social anxiety that we were all in, you know. We, we, it's a it's a very interesting point that you make because uh, as I read your book, uh, you know I uh, I understood I got more perspective and while you know they were uh, this emergence of the Khans while they represented the youth a very urban Indian a middle class Indian their films didn't really talk about the politics of the day at least not at the beginning 
Later, we saw, you know, in a chakde, the othering of the Muslim and so on and so forth. And Lagan perhaps showing, but that was a different time, yeah. time period, right? Do you think that was by design that they didn't want to talk about the politics? Or was it that the, here was this young man who didn't connect really with the politics of the day? Or she was young man rather? Right. I think, um, uh, Maruk, uh, at that point, they were also very young. They were also uh, making choices that weren't necessarily entirely their own choices. Um, uh, DDLJ was always a role that, uh, you know, Aditya Chopra had to really convince, had to really sell it to Shah Rukh that this is something that you really need to do if you want to become a superstar. But I think as they grew in their profession and as their own beliefs, after all, they were very young when they came in, you know, um, 21, 22, uh, Shah Rukh was 26 uh, when he started uh, movies. You know, they were young men and I don't think their politics was quite settled in their minds and I don't think their identity as a Muslim, of course, they, you know, they were aware of it and they, um, two of them married Hindu women. So, you know, that, uh, they were aware of the tensions that uh, that sort of interfaith union um, could uh, arouse and they experienced it. Both of their marriages, you know, one was literally a runaway marriage, uh, yeah. uh, Amir, and um, with Shahrukh, he had to seek the help of a lot of friends to do that, to actually, uh, and convince uh, Gauri's family that he was okay, you know. So yeah. I think they were aware of their identities, but I don't think it was front and center. But as they grew in their profession, I think they understood what India meant. They understood the politics of it, which is why in Lagan, you see a very conscious attempt to create a cricket team, which is, you know, complete uh, represents a complete diversity in the inclusiveness of India. And, um, you know, then, of course, in Chakte, I think it was a very, very brave film. I don't know whether it would get made now, you know, uh, to have a hockey captain being accused of giving away a final to Pakistan because of his faith. Right. And, and when uh, when you have that comment where this friend of his says, Ki sabko ek galti maaf, and he says, sabko, you know, which is such an important word that... Yeah. If you're a Muslim in the public domain, you have to be careful. You only get that one chance, you know. Yes. So I think as they grew in their profession, they made choices which uh, consciously looked at their faith and looked at not necessarily the entire community, but at least their place in it, you know. And yeah. I think, yeah, I also remember 2002 had happened, Gujarat riots had happened. Yes. And Ahmed had spoken very openly and very frankly about how he felt uh, that yeah. it was an assault on humanity. He didn't just call it an assault on, uh, you know, Muslims or any particular community. He said it was inhumane. Yeah. So they were developing their own politics. It's interesting you talk about their vulnerabilities because as I go through the book, there are these delicious pieces from various, you know, interviews that they have given to a film fair or a stardust and how open they were yeah. about their wrong film choices, right? Which is why I'm saying that these three intelligent men should read the book because it will give them the perspective and openness that they used to have. Used to have. Uh, how much of that has changed, do you think? And how responsible are these coteries around them and, you know, film PRs and so on? 
You know, um, I think it's also uh, not just that, but it's also the uh, sense that they always have now of looking over their shoulders at what the other is doing, you know. And I think this, uh, the emergence uh, of this 100 crore club, then the 200 crore club and the 300 crore club, I think it was a very corrosive uh, thing. And um, it certainly uh, corroded the choices they made especially for Shah Rukh, I would say, because, yeah. uh, you know, he was always someone who was a bit of a laggard when it came to uh, these 100 crore clubs. You know, Salman would uh, have a huge hit, then Amir would have a hit that would redefine um, what a hit was, you know, and Shah Rukh would always be sort of trying to catch up. Yeah, And I think that um, if you see till about mid-2000s, till... 2010s, the 10ts as they're they called, Shahrukh would always do one film that was for the masses, so to speak, and one film that was for him, you know. You would always have a Swades, but you would always have a Veer Zara as well, a more popular film. And a popular film, by the way, again, which would be impossible to make now. You have an Indian uh, Air Force officer who falls in love with a Pakistani, the Pakistani comes to <laughs> India and, you know, makes India her home. Can you imagine that movie getting made now? <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, even the songs, the lyrics, you know, uh, uh, about how uh, your country is just like my country, you know. Uh, these were such important things. Even in their popular choices, they were making, um, uh, you know, because of the kind of uh, people they were associated with as well. Uh, I mean, the Chopra family knew exactly what the pain of partition was and yeah. they had seen it and they understood it. So um, I think one, of course, was the sense that they were always looking over their shoulder at what the other was doing. And two, yes, I think this is a problem with success. The more success you have, the more difficult it becomes to... Uh, maintain it and to listen to your gut and you know then you start second guessing yourself and then you think oh is this the right choice so if something seems somewhat risky just keep throwing money at it and hope that you know uh, somehow which I think is what happened to a lot of films that Charuk made from Happy New Year to Chennai Express to Zero you know just throw money at it and hope that everything would be okay. You know, you speak of Shah Rukh and when I look at the three Khans, right? Uh, there is Amir, of course, who built on this Mr. Perfectionist with your former organization, Mr. India, <laughs> they first called him. Yeah. And then uh, there was Salman, who is like the underdog hero plus the bad boy, yeah. the mass appeal guy and so on. And then Shah Rukh, who, while coining himself as the Badshah of Bollywood, right? Also started, uh, interestingly, when you talk about the fact that he started, uh, you know, talking about Amitabh Bachchan. Yeah. And being the next superstar yeah. after Mr. Bachchan, right? So he's consciously the one who wanted to move ahead of the Troy God. Yeah. He made consistent efforts to do that. And ironically, uh, was the one who got left behind in a way. Isn't yeah. it ironic? Because I think here was someone who was very clearly trying to emulate mm -hmm. Bachchan. And trying to, and you know, if he was Shahenshah, he would always say, I'm the Bajra. And these were things that were not done by accident, you know. Uh, Shah Rukh is a very smart marketing man, as we've seen from his uh, businesses. I mean, he's a very successful businessman, whether you, whether you look at his cricket yeah. franchises or whether you look at Red Chilis, VFX, 
all his business choices have been very smart. His creative choices, unfortunately, have not been so smart. Even the creative choices that Red Chilies has made in making entertainment for streaming platforms, um, they're so poor when you compare it to, say, a Tiger Baby films or an XL Entertainment. Yes. So there is that sense that um, here is a Khan who uh, wanted so desperately to be ahead of the curve and wanted to be the next Bachchan and there was always that tension between Bachchan and him, some acknowledged, some not acknowledged and yet because I think of that excessive consciousness of his place in history and I think that comes from uh, being an outsider, you know, I think it is Whatever you say, there is the anxiety of the outsider, you know, who is very clear that he wants a place in history, wants a big house, the biggest house possible, okay? Uh, he wants the biggest legacy possible. He wants the biggest of everything, you know? <laughs> and yeah. more power to him, sure. But I think at some point he stops listening to his own instinct. He stops listening to his own uh, gut or maybe his gut itself is telling him something that it never yeah. used to earlier, which is why when you see some of the conversations he's having with filmmakers now, he's telling them, you please make the film that you want to. Don't listen to me. So there is that sense as well that even when he associates with cutting edge filmmakers, you know, somehow, uh, you know, the, the product or the film doesn't end up the way it ought to. Right. So yeah. I think that that's, that's the very interesting thing that I've tried to look at. And I don't know how I've... Uh, no, beautifully. Hmm. Beautifully. And I'm, I'm going to keep plugging this film. Uh, this book <laughs> because I love it. I want to come back to their Muslim identity. Hmm. Right? Uh, two of them were married. At least yeah. Amr at one point was married to Rima. Of course, Shahrukh was married to Gauri. How have they looked at their Muslim identity, you feel, uh, you know, over these years? Yes, they have started taking on Muslim roles, but at the same time, they haven't been vociferous on Muslim issues. That yes, I'm a Khan, but I don't wear it on my sleeve, right? So how do you see that journey? Well, I think they're very conscious of their Muslim identity. There's no doubt about it. They may not speak about it so much now because, um, you know, the environment is such. But um, for, for Shah Rukh, I think he looks at his Muslim identity also in a global sense, you know. Uh, because uh, when you look at his popularity internationally, when you go to places like Dubai and Malaysia and Indonesia, you truly recognize how, um, and of course he jokes about it, he says, you know, there's a there's a one bad Muslim Osama bin Laden and there's one good Muslim, that's Shah Rukh Khan. <laughs> but that is an exaggeration, like everything that he says. Yeah. But he is conscious of the fact that he's a Pathan and that's an identity that is actually cross-national, you know. I mean, you speak to any taxi driver in Dubai just as a, as a social experiment and you'll find 99% are Pathans from uh, Pakistan and they identify so much with Shah Rukh in particular. So he's he knows that that is an identity that is important, but it's not their only identity. And that is what they keep trying to say again and again. Mm. Yes, they are Muslims, but they're Indians above and beyond. It's ingrained in them. It's ingrained in their secular education. It's ingrained in their families. Uh, you know, yeah. it's ingrained in the way they were brought up. They cannot possibly be anything else. They are Indians first and Islam happens to be their religion, you know. 
and it's not just for public consumption. When you look at uh, the way uh, Salman's family celebrates all religions, his mother is a Hindu. Yes, she converted to become Salma, but mm. she's a Hindu and, you know, they uh, worship her gods as well. So it's a wonderful example of actually the secular culture of this country. But unfortunately, now it's looked upon as love jihad, you know, yeah. get the kind of uh, reception that Amir got when he announced his divorce and a very amicable separation from Kiran. Why does it even occur to anyone that it has anything to do with their faiths, you know? Yeah. But that's the tragedy of our times. Uh, you you mentioned uh, his separation with uh, Kiran Rao. I want to talk about their personal lives, which you yeah. haven't really elaborated on. Right. Any. Yeah. Uh, and maybe consciously so. Uh, but their personal lives, through the years, Amir married twice, now separated from his second wife. Shahrukh was the doting family man, though the alleged involvement with yeah. Priyanka Chopra kind of dented it. Yeah. And Salman continues to be every man's fantasy, right? <laughs> Not just one's fantasy, but the unmarked. Yeah. Uh, who do you think has been most honest about their private life? Um... If you if you ask me, I think none of them. I think there's a huge uh, uh, dishonesty in, uh, unfortunately, in the way they've talked about their uh, private lives. You know, I wouldn't say it's. Uh, um, I mean, in in Ame's case especially, I think the involvement with Jessica Hines is something that I felt was very badly handled. Yeah. Uh, Whatever the paternity issue, whatever that is, yeah, I felt to not acknowledge the relationship, uh, and that happened in between marriages. So it wasn't also as if it was something that was uh, not right. So uh, I felt there's a dishonesty there. I felt um, in um, Shahrukh's case, of course, I think his identity as a father has overtaken everything else, but. Uh, again, there was never any attempt to, uh, uh, of course, he addressed all those uh, rumors about bisexuality and being gay and with his trademark humor and, you know, self-mocking as well as mocking of the interviewer. And those are very famous instances. But um, I'm not sure that he may have, of course, seen it fit to share all his troubles and which marriage doesn't go through troubles, you know? Yes. But he may not have seen it fit to share it with the world. And as far as Salman is concerned too, you know, that comment may have been made in jest that I'm a virgin on coffee with Karan. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it's taken seriously by a lot of his fans. <laughs> and uh, I think um, he's, of course, spoken very often about Aishwarya Rai, but I think uh, he never quite addressed uh, the issues of physical abuse, psychological abuse. Uh, it was something that... Uh, he never quite addressed full on. So I'm not sure that they've been entirely honest about their private lives. They may have felt that it was no one's business, uh, but their own. But, you know, it never does satisfy the fan, does it? Yes, never does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, youth icons, all three of them. Yeah. Then they kind of lift the middle class in a way through, yeah. their, own, through their narrative. Oh, global. Where do they stand now? Who are they? To the young Indian today, what do these Khans mean? Is it just a memory of the past? Are these the fading stars? What would you call them? 
Uh, I think they are, despite the fact that streaming has allowed us to uh, allow so many uh, of their movies to come back to us. Uh, look at a cultural moment like uh, the Indian women's team doing so well uh, at the Olympics just yesterday. Yes. Yes. It becomes subsumed by Chakte the movie, you know, yes. and remember that's a movie about 14, 15 years ago. So uh, I think streaming has allowed us to discover and rediscover their movies. Look at the iconic status that Andaz Apna Apna has. So it's not just a memory, it's a living thing. Their careers are up there for us to see and savor again and again. But the world itself and the cultural landscape itself, Maruk, has changed so tremendously that there is no way that I think these three men, or even uh, if you look at Ajay Devgan or Akshay Kumar, people who almost co-terminus with them in their careers. It's very difficult for any one star to possibly cater to everything that this audience now wants, you know, because the audience has become so smart and so culturally aware and so aware of global trends that they want more, they, they want better, they want faster, they want quicker, they want finer storytelling. I feel that they have become too, a little too safe in their choices, even Amir, surprisingly, for him to go from uh, a complete disaster like Thugs of Hindustan, where clearly he was not in creative control, to uh, a remake uh, of uh, such a beloved uh, uh, American movie. Of course, he's completely Indianizing it, but even then, uh, it's not the smartest choice one would have thought. And um, for Salman, of course, is various Xerox copies of his uh, beloved characters from Radhe to Tiger to Prem. And Shah Rukh is the one I think will be most interesting to watch. Is he going to now go into a different zone altogether? He has to. He cannot possibly play another Harry-like character, uh, <laughs> as in Harry Met Sejal. Because uh, frankly, as a romantic hero to someone half his age, he just looks creepy. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, and, and um, I think he's fully aware that he comes off uh, looking creepy, you know, and again and again, you know, this guy who was this perfect Hindustani boy, no matter what he lived, saying, main ganda hu, main ganda hu, and I'm a Casanova, you know, <laughs> it's like, please, please, we don't want to see this, you know, <laughs> take him away, take him away, you know, so I think. That is the biggest uh, issue. So they will, um, it's not just a memory. It's a very living um, thing. Their work is up there uh, for us to see again and again, to rediscover. Uh, and uh, there will always be, when when um, even an Obama will talk about uh, Bollywood, he will talk about Shah Rukh Khan. He will talk about DDLJ. These are iconic uh, moments in our cultural landscape. But I think, 10 years from now, you know, who knows? Uh, like maybe 20 years before, you know, it was a Divar or a Trishul, you know. Now it's DDLG or a Dabang. 10 years from now, who knows? So, so you're essentially saying that stardom is having an existential crisis. Oh, yes. And <laughs> will be redefined completely. Yeah, I, I think so. Because it's not just a question of... Um, uh, the rise of streaming. It's also the 
way the pan-Indian star is being defined. I mean, you have a Prabhas or an NTR Jr. or a, a Ram Charan being so popular in places like Bihar, in Odisha, you know. Why was Bahubali such a pan-Indian phenomenon? Because it did very well in single screens in Bihar and Odisha because people had got used to watching them on their satellite uh, television uh, channels and, you know, they liked that idea of this raw masculinity, you know, these stories based on villages and families and they seem to them to be far more authentic than some of Bollywood's attempts to make the small town romance you know which yeah. became a thing after Bunty or Bubbly you know so I think uh, this was a very interesting and this is a very interesting phenomenon the rise of the pan-Indian star and uh, you have the rise of the streaming stars and then you of course have the new uh, generation of actors uh, you know whether it's the most socially conscious Ayushman Khurana or the very commercial uh, Ranveer Singh. So you have very interesting things emerging for them to retain their cultural and of course you have the rise of the ultimate superstar in our cultural and political landscape who is our prime minister. (laughs) Yeah but uh, you know to have a prime minister who talks uh, about everything from a woman's period to your uh, child's class 10 examinations to uh, the price of petrol. You know, you have a prime minister who's actually now engaging with people directly and, you know, people are responding to him, you know, and he chooses radio, which is what, ninety, which covers 99% of India. So he does things so smartly, you know, that he becomes an alternative cultural icon. So what do you do? How do you compete with that kind of wall-to-wall coverage anything that he does means live coverage you know right it's impossible to compete with that and then the whole uh i think shushant singh rajput suicide also caused a lot of uh, soul searching in um, the industry it was also the pandemic and people were sitting at home there was this rising awareness of mental uh, wellness and you know the psychological pressures of uh, stardom. For the first time, we heard about, I mean, much before Naomi Osaka talked about, um, you know, being socially anxious when she's, uh, despite winning, when she has to face the press. I think in, in the industry in India, we understood the whole idea of social anxiety and depression. And our women again talked about it from Deepika Padukone to Anushka Sharma. So I think so much has changed. Uh, the rise of women-centric films as well. So it, it is it is going to be difficult for them to be culturally relevant, but they ain't going anywhere. I mean, that is for sure. They ain't going <laughs> I mean, anywhere. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, five years from now, I'll, I'll have to write another book, Eating Crow, and saying, <laughs> okay, the three Khans and the resurgence of another India or something like that. Um, but they're they're there, you know. I mean, look at anyone who begins in an analog era, for God's sake, in 1988. We are now in 2021 and we're still talking about them and we're still celebrating them or denigrating them, whatever we're doing, but we're, you know, thinking about them. Except, I think there were there was a brief uh, moment, uh, I think 2020 was something that was so unexpected for the world that I think yes. nothing mattered. So, I think they're there. It's just up to them now how they want to redefine their careers because they have to do it. Yes. I mean, there's no way they can continue doing what they were doing. 
No, that, that's a beautiful way to end the interview. I just want to ask you one last question. Of the three Khans, who would be more palatable to reading this if you were to hypothetically go to them? Which of the three Khans would read this? Oh, or Shar- huh? Shah Rukh for sure. <laughs> Shah Rukh for sure. Uh, Salman's father would read it to him. <laughs> if at all and Amir uh, I think right now is going through too much of personal stuff uh, and you know having to sort of negotiate a very public separation in the public eye it's uh, it's a very difficult thing that he's doing and yes. he's trying to do this conscious uncoupling in a very mature and in a very a harmonious manner and in a way trying to set an example again you know for the, uh, others. for the others because everything he does he really does wholeheartedly I mean if he makes a film that's it you know there's nothing else that matters at that point and if he's now going to create a, a sort of um, an aura around the separation he'll do it full-heartedly and you know he'll do it with a social as he would address a social cause you know that um, you are you do have blended families now you do have families that have uh, you know children from uh, other spouses but how do you keep it all together I think that is also something that's very significant and socially it is in a way a social service so I think there's too much going on in his life uh, he has no time to listen to what I have to say but it's uh, but I find it very interesting that he uh, that everything that he does he does with so much dedication you know you have to admire that about him whether it's personal or whether it's public it's quite a remarkable thing wonderful Kaveri Bamzai, thank you so much for being on The Note. As usual, an absolute delight. And a great book for everybody who listens to and watches this. This is one for the love of Bollywood in this country. <laughs> I think this is one book that everybody should have. Thank, thank you, you so Maru. Much. Thank you very much. And um, I really appreciate it. And I hope it's not just because we're Kashmiris that you're being nice to me. <laughs> not <laughs> at all. Because I love the heart. <laughs> and I think you did a fantastic job with the book. <laughs> thank you. From one Kashmiri to another, lots Absolutely. of love. And lots of love. Thank you very much for the book. Thank you. <laughs> If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at the rate IVM podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to me, I'm Mahro Khanayat on Twitter and Mahro Khanayat on Instagram as well.